Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're going to continue to look at the, the timeless truths uh, that we have been looking at over the past few weeks. These truths are something that fellow Christ followers have held on to for generations and generations. And so as we look at them, I'm hoping for me and hopefully for you that as they become a reality in our lives, as we start to believe them, that we can move forward no matter what going on in our life, no matter the circumstance and no, no matter how that can change, that we can move forward. And as we said each week in this series, what we believe determines who we become. And that's true today with the topic that we're going to talk about. It's actually uh, an aspect of, our, of us that has probably changed a lot over the past few years for some of you. And that's uh, what we're going to look at is called our identity. Your identity. How many of you have wished you were somebody else at one point or another? Oh, got some hands. All right. Yeah. Thanks for being honest. Um, I remember it's changed a lot for me and I used face swap to have some fun with it to kind of show you uh, a little timeline of my life. Some of the people that I wish I had been. I read a book in elementary school. It was like quarterback heroes. And so I grew up in New England, I'm a Patriots fan, and when I played football, this is the guy that I wanted to be. Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's me, can you tell? All right, next one. Um, then I started watching a show on Tuesday nights, and there was this guy that was really popular and I wanted to be liked as well. So I wanted to be this guy for a period of my life. The Fonz from Happy Days on Tuesday nights. And then at some point in my life, I figured, I think I know what I want to do. I want to be a cop. And so and there was a show on Sunday night. And you're like, did your parents let you watch TV all the time? Uh, this is who I wanted to be. Yeah, that's right, right? Punch. Um, and then in high school, I figured out that I like computers. And so I wanted to be this guy right here. There we go. Steve Jobs with a Rob Perry face. And, um, and now I am all about wanting to be like this guy. You're like, wait a minute, is there a face swap in there? Because that's a really good face swap. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to talk about our identity today. And it's much more complex than just our name. Our identity gets at that question, who am I? And, and it gets at how you answer that question, who am I? And what we believe about ourselves, about who I am, it affects all of, like every part of our lives. And I love the word picture that scripture gives us in Proverbs 27, verse 19, of this idea of um, what we believe determines who we become. Proverbs 27, 19, as a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. You see, our identity, as we, what we believe about ourselves, who we are, that starts to bleed over and others see what's really deep inside. I wish I could say I never had an identity crisis ever, but I can remember from a very early age struggling with my identity. There were two robs that you saw. There was the external rob, 
very successful, great musician, played trumpet and cello, great with, uh, in schoolwork, uh, graduated with honors in college in software engineering, got a great job with a good software company. People saw that. But what they didn't see inside was the Rob that was scared to fail. The Rob who felt he was one step away from failure. There were these two, and others could see what was going on. But let me give you a glimpse. If you could have looked, because I've grown here, but I can still struggle with it. But let me give you a glimpse of what young adult Rob, even as a Christ follower, looked like. I can't believe that we now have a new language and a new process to learn at work. I knew the other one so well. I was the one leading people, and now I know nothing. I know as a team, we'll work together, we'll figure this out, but I don't want my team around me as I'm figuring it out. I don't want them to see me fail. I hate failing. I hate struggling in front of people. And I don't like feeling this way, but I can keep them away. If I, if I show that I'm angry, then I'll push them away. And that will give me time to figure out how to do this and how to do it good. And I've got to get there fast. That is no life to live. That's a roller coaster, a fear of failure, because all of a sudden I become all about, if I'm answering that question, who am I? I am successful. And my whole life becomes about my effort and my performance. And depending on how that's going, then that, that, that tells me how good or bad I'm going to feel about myself. And it affected every part of me, emotionally, physically, spiritually. What I believed about myself, I lived out. Maybe you can't relate to that person, but you can relate to this one. I can't believe I did what I did on Friday night. I compromised every value that I'm about. But I'm so tired of being lonely, I just wanted them to like me. But why, why even try? Because eventually they're going to figure out who I am and they're going to leave me anyway, so I might as well just end it now because they'll figure out who I am. So I'll save myself from that pain and I'll do it. Oh, but that will just land me back in the same spot of being lonely and there's pain with that. But I got pain with the game, uh, guilt and shame that I feel right now. I wish I could just figure out what motivates people so that I could do it, make them happy and they'd be my friends. You see, you're putting your vote up for your identity, who you are, in the hands of other people. And that will change hour by hour, minute by minute. I wonder if you define yourself by this, being accepted by others. That's a roller coaster as well, because you're putting a vote in somebody else's hands, something you don't have control over. Maybe these aren't it but this is, that's it. What I did is disgusting. What I did is unexcusable. 
what I did deserves, I deserve to be punished continually. I should never be forgiven for what I did. I want to change, but I've said that all along. I don't even think I can change. I've missed every opportunity to change. That's defining yourself this way. Who am I? I'm a failure. We all can wrestle, and there are tons of ways we can wrestle with our identity. Maybe it's not these, but for you, you, who am I? I'm beautiful. Who am I? I'm unlovable. Who am I? I'm unworthy. I'm smart. The list can go on. But these things change. We're not to base our identity in here. These are not, God did not create these things as our identity because they change. And so the good news is, and I want to hit it today, the good news is, is no matter how you've defined yourself or who people have said you are, God's timeless truth about your identity, that's what we need to hear today. And that's what you and I need to walk out of here remembering God's timeless truth about our identity. And so I want to get God's word in your hand as we begin. Ushers, if you'll come down with Bibles, if you don't have one or you got to borrow one, you can just signal to them and they will give you one. If you don't have one, please go home with it. It's a gift from the church to you. Um, as we get started today, we're going we're gonna to hear about some timeless truths, right? And we're going to understand them. But here's the thing with understanding. It's all head. It's head knowledge. And it's my prayer that for me and for you, we got to move it from the head to the heart. And so we need to make that connection by starting to believe these timeless truths that we hear from God. So that's my prayer is that we start to believe them because remember, what we believe determines who we become, what we believe about God, what we believe about life, and yes, what we believe about ourselves. Who am I affects every phase of our life. And so we're going to look at that today. Um, I love God's Word because it's filled with people that I can relate with. I mean, throughout all of Scripture, there's people that I can always connect with. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet who gets picked on for being bald, Elijah. So I can relate. I flip over to the New Testament, and there's a guy that's shorter than me, Zacchaeus. I can relate. But we're going to look at a story today uh, that Jesus told about a father and two sons. Now you're like, I've heard this story there are so many spiritual truths that are communicated through this story. And in this story, I can connect with the identity crisis of each of these brothers. There's the younger brother who you may know. He's the wild child. Any of you the wild child in your house or grow up that way? Nobody raises their hand for that one. <laughs> the first service they didn't. Well, the young child, he's the wild child. He did some unspeakable things that we would uh, be like, what? But some unbelievable things, especially to the Jewish people that were hearing the story, this younger child basically asked his father, give me your inheritance now. If you would die now, 
It would be best for me, so give me the money. The father gives this young child the money, and he heads off. You know the story, that he goes off, blows it in ungodly ways, booze, women, and if that was not enough, he decided to break the law, God's law, two of them, where God says, hey, don't relate with foreigners because they're going to affect you spiritually because they're going to try to talk about the things they believe in. So stay away from them. This younger child goes and gets hired out by a foreigner. Broke rule number one. Rule number two, pigs were off limits. He gets a job working with pigs, probably eight pigs, and he's at this lowest, lowest point. And we read he comes to his senses and then the story goes on. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. You see, so often we start to define our identity right here where the young child, the wild child, where he stopped. He defined his identity this way, I am what I have done. I am what I have done. How many of us have wrestled in life, maybe even today, with things that we've done in the past, it continues to haunt us and say, that's who I am. We wrestle with it. You may not know if you wrestle with this, I am what I have done. There's a simple little test. You can go through your day and think about who you are. And if you say two words in the process of reflecting on that question, and those two words are this, I have. If you, if you answer, who am I? I have messed up my marriage. I have depression and it's who I am. I have blown my finances. I have deep regrets. If you can't avoid the two words I have when you're talking about who you are, then you are likely rooting your identity not in the present, not in the future, but you're, you're anchoring it in the past. And whenever you anchor your identity in the past, it distorts the reality of what's in front of you. It will all the time. But here, you cannot go back to the past. You can't change that. It can't be undone. But the greatest thing is life's not static. We are not who we, or what we have done. That's not the final say. Look at what happens once the boy comes to his senses. He turns to his, and goes towards his father. And we read, his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for his son of mine, this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So let the party begin. What I like about the story is the dad doesn't sweep under the rug all the things that had gone on. He says, he once was lost, he was dead. He acknowledges that. But what he doesn't do with that boy standing in front of him, he doesn't look at the boy as if there's the mess. 
He looks at the boy as who he could become. I am alive. He is alive. He has found this son of mine. You see, at the end of the day, the son's identity was not based or found in what he had done. It's in what the father said or who the father said he was. Then there's another child and another person we meet in this story. It's not the wild child. It's the goody two-shoes. Who was the goody two-shoes? Everybody's like, that's me, right? I was the goody two-shoes. I watched my sister, the wild child, go ahead and make all the mistakes, and then I just chose to do opposite. I was the goody two-shoes. Well, we're going to meet a goody two-shoes. He comes in, he comes back from work and discovers that his father is throwing a party for, this, for his brother who has squandered everything and doesn't deserve it. And then we read, the older brother was angry and, and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? You see, this uh, older brother is defining himself the same way as the younger brother. The, the, the tense is different. The younger brother, it's, I am what I have done. This older brother, I am what I do. It's what, you know, his performance. And, oh man, I can relate to this. This is a common way for, that you and I define our identity. It's by what we do, our effort, our performance. This is us. But the danger in this is we start to think that God owes us something for our good behavior. And he's not about doling out merit badges for good behavior or lack of bad behavior. But then here's another danger, and I lived this one, is that people who um, define themselves by what they do do not recover from failure very well. When I don't have a clean slate of who I am and how well I've done, I don't recover well. And maybe you can relate to that, this idea that I am what I do. And the test for this is to start thinking about the things that you believe are noteworthy and good about yourself. And then ask the question, what if I can no longer do those things? Am I disappointed or devastated? Because if you're devastated, if you feel hopeless and depressed, if you cannot do those things, you are anchoring your identity in the wrong Thing. I lived this one. Will you be disappointed or devastated? If you are devastated, it is a red flag that you are holding on something too dearly and you need to hang on to Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about. The, the big picture in all of this is the father in this story never defined his sons by what they have done or what they are doing. Check out what he says. He, 
Look, dear son, in verse 31, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. See, without knowing about it, both sons went about trying to define their identity. One was trying to be an achiever. One was trying to be a playboy. One was trying to be a saint. The other one was trying to be a sinner. But it's not about what they were doing. It's about what the father has said. You're my sons. If you flip over to the uh, few books in the New Testament, to the Gospel of John, right at the opening, verse 12, look at how the disciple talks about those who trust in Jesus. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You got to catch this because as a Christ follower, following Christ, everything hangs kind of on this statement. It is God who gives us the right to become his children. It isn't us who earn the right, perform our way into being in the family. It is God who gives us the right to become his children. I didn't sit at the nursery window at Wake Med when my daughter was born, and I remember people saying, is that your daughter? As I'm looking through the glass. I didn't go, well, she will be when she starts to earn her way to being my daughter, right? When my son was born over at Rex, I didn't say, well, not yet. He's not my son until he earns, he proves his way and starts acting like a child of a Perry family. No. They, they were my children. God is the one who gives us the right to be called his children. And you may be hanging on tightly to what you've done as defining you or what you are doing, but in God's world, that doesn't add up. That's not the math that he looks at. If you forget this, the songs from this, up until now, you forget the laughter around this, the little face swap thing, the thing I want you to walk out of here with and you can write on your notes is the big idea for today. In Jesus, I am not what I have done nor am what I, I'm doing. I am who he says I am. In Jesus Christ, I am not what I have done. I am not what I am doing. I am who he says I am. You see, that moment that you accepted Jesus Christ, your identity shifted immediately. You became a child of God. And I think Jesus knew that we would struggle with this identity thing, that as we tried to live it out, and so he instituted something that when we gather together, we'd be reminded. We do it every week here at LifePoint. It's communion. What a great reminder for us, for those who have believed in Jesus Christ to say, it's not what I've done. It is what he has done for me. I'm significant, not because of my performance, not because of my roles, not because of what people think of me. I'm significant because I'm a child of God. Did I earn it? No, nope. it was a gift by my faith and belief in him. And you know what? I, it looks like I'm still me, but the Bible tells me that the truth is I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. 
That's, as we come to communion, that's what it was. We hold the bread and the juice. It's a reminder that I am not who I once was. And I want us to take communion today. The band's going to come back out and they're going to sing a song. I don't want you to stand. I really don't. I, I want you to stay in your seat. I want you to grab the communion elements. You can peel back the two layers. There's the bread and the juice representing his body and his blood shed for you. But I don't want you to rush to take them. I want you to look at the words because they're going to speak to you that I am not what I have done. I am not what I am doing. I am who he says I am. I want you to ask God to help your soul resonate with those words. So the band's going to play. When you're ready, you take the elements. Stay seated and remind yourself of these timeless truths.
one of us, whether we look like we have it all put together, which I did a real good job at, or maybe you feel like you're completely broken inside. Every one of us looks in that mirror and we see something. But all I can tell you, if you walk away with anything today, these kinds of things and anything you can add to this list is not meant to be the thing that you were to hang your identity on. You see, it's not any of these things as we just sang. Nothing. Not these things. Sure, it looks like a mess. You know what? God can work with this. Yeah, he'll work through it. Trust me. I know from my own walk he has. Maybe you don't think he can. He can. But what you need to know is just what we sang. I am who he says I am. Maybe for you, the first thing, the most important thing is to ask God to give you a new identity. To ask God to forgive you of your past and even the stuff that's going to happen into the future and you begin a relationship with him like no other relationship because it's not going to be based in what you've done or what you are doing. It's going to be based on what he's done. And maybe that's you today. I'll come, come down and pray. We'd love to know that. But for some of you already Christ followers, you need to have your soul reminded that you are who he says you are. You're a child of God. You are loved. You are accepted. You can feel joy again in Christ. We want to help you start to believe that because your life will be different because of it. Not only eternally, but in the here and now. A couple ways we want to help you with that. First off is there's a short-term group starting in the end of March called Life's Healing Choices. Some information up on the screen. If you still have your Connect card, write LHC on that card and drop it in the box on your way out. If you don't have your Connect card, go right over to the Connect Center on your way out and sign up for the class. Don't go home without signing up for the class. It's one step that you can take to start to help you believe who God says that you are. The other thing we would love to do in helping you do this is to start to tell your story. Why? Because part of that is the process of starting to believe it yourself. But you sharing your story will also help others. And so I hope that you, you each got a uh, post-it note in your program, right? What we want you to do with that is write hashtag who he says I am on it. And then put that somewhere where you're going to see it throughout the week and stare at that and remind yourself, get in the scripture, remind yourself who God says that you are. We'd also love for you, if you do social media, to just take a picture of that with two sentences, very informal, who I was without him and who I am now in Christ. And then post that. Here's an example of mine. Mine says, my identity used to be driven by my fear of failure. Oh, success made me feel good. Now my identity is rooted in Jesus and who he says I am. And we tag life point. See, your story is going to help you and you're going to start to believe it. But your story is also going to help others. And that's our prayer. Imagine if people in your community, in your neighborhood, maybe even in your house, start to see the change that's possible because you are sharing your story about what he's doing in you.
Imagine what others, they could have that freedom, that joy, that peace, no matter what life is bringing them. So hopefully you'll take part in that little challenge to do social media with who I was and who I am in Christ. Well, it's been great talking about this. As you go from here, remember, I am who he says I am. Come back next week as we continue in this series. And if you're with us for the first time, be sure to head by that welcome experience room and get to meet some people there. You are dismissed. Have a great week. <laughs>